answer is never, um, uh, is, how do I put this? We don't actually have a sales team. We have a relationship team. The team's entire goal is just to make relationships with spaces, just to get to know everybody. And those that decide to use us, they will ask us for that product. They will ask us to be customers. Welcome to ProCo360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This show, like many, features successful entrepreneurs and different from the others. All our guests, like you and I, choose Colorado. Success looks different here. It's multidimensional, and that's why I say live, work, love Colorado. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Josh Freed, CEO and co-owner of Proximity, the Montrose, Colorado-based developer of software for co-working space. We've all heard of big-name co-working brands. Proximity's product makes it possible for independently-owned co-working spaces to be easily managed and arguably better. Think running a local coffee shop with the infrastructure of Starbucks, and it's much more than that, as Josh will explain. Josh Freed, thanks for joining me today. Dave, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you are. And first, I want to thank our sponsors before we dive right in, Community Banks of Colorado and MicroStar Keg Logistics. They support Colorado entrepreneurism, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and ProCo360. So first, let's start. Uh, I said there's much more, Josh. So why don't you give us a quick overview of Proximity, and then we'll dive in deeper. Sure. Uh, well, first off, Proximity is uh, is, a, is a software and a hardware designed to help um, make the act of running a co-working space so much better. Uh, at the same time, it's also designed to help uh, the community that sits inside of the co-working space connect with each other and connect with other communities. Well, even the, the notion of a co-working space has changed over the last 10 years. So where is it? What does one look like now? And, and listeners, for those of you 90% who know what this looks like because you've been in one recently, please bear with me. But Josh, a short explanation. What's it look like now? Boy, I mean, it depends on the community it sits in, right? Uh, so it could look like a store frontage that has um, you know, desks and a few offices and a conference room. It can look like a 175,000-square-foot, seven-foot, seven-story-tall building. Um, but primarily, they all have uh, certain traits in common, and that is that they are a community, they are resources to be consumed by the members, uh, and they are flexible within uh, the walls as to what the community needs at that time. Yeah. Is part of your job, you've used the word communities many times already in this early interview. <laughs> early on. You know, yeah. So uh, to what extent is community a value that you're providing versus technology versus a place to sit and get internet? Sure. Well, I think it's it's the co-working space that provides the community. And we do harp on community quite a bit because it's actually the glue that holds the thing together in the first place. Proximity is not creating the community behind it. We're connecting it. Uh, and then we're also spending a lot of time and resources teaching how to keep community kind of alive and well within those spaces. Got it. And, and it sounds like your technology facilitates community building within those and whatever flavor the, the owner of that property is wants to establish. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So um, I started and, – and your, your marketing uh, person, Leah, pitched this interview based on the idea that you're providing a resource now that allows someone to start up in that space. You don't have to be a huge chain. You don't have to, right? I mean, somebody in a small community can build a co-working space using your tools. So is that a niche that you're focused on? And it sounds like that is part of it. I think, yeah, it's accurate to say that's part of it. Um, by virtue of the fact that we've started our own co-working spaces, we got to taste this problem to begin mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Uh, so now what we can do is we can actually help small um, 
kind of that early stage co-working space get off the ground, we can also take down a lot of barriers because of the way that we structured our systems, because of the way we structured our education, we're able to give them industry grade um, tools at the price point that they're at right now. Yeah. And I, I, what I really like is that when you talk about price point, you charge a fixed percentage of their revenue. It's 5%. It includes all the credit card fees and everything else. I mean, it's pretty predictable. It's predictable. Yeah. And, and it's this idea that it aligns the goals of both proximity mm-hmm. and that space. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can, I, you know, as a quick, I can tell you when we first opened our, our Montrose location, which was our flagship, I'm standing in the middle of a 6,000 square foot space and I can kick a soccer ball across mm-hmm. it and not yep, hit yep. anybody. And yet we were paying hundreds of dollars a month in software and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in hardware to set it up. Yeah, yeah. There's a problem. Yeah, it is. So aligning Someone's our goals. Someone's making money, but not you. Correct. <laughs> um, so aligning our goals with our spaces mm-hmm. that will grow with you. Yep. And, and it also aligns that you're not being penalized for having these very large networks of spaces. It's more like you're just paying for the, the resources you're consuming from proximity. Space. That's really cool. Uh, it, it's really cool. I can see where your customers would appreciate that. You know, I mean, other models come to mind. financial planners that, mm-hmm. you know, they, when you grow, they grow and all mm-hmm. that. It's, it's a nice win-win arrangement. It is. Um, I mean, it's something we even monitor. So we have mm. kind of an up down scale that happens every month where we're monitoring how spaces are doing. Mm. And once a space, uh, let's say they are having two or three months of downtime, we actually get triggered from that. And we start reaching out to those owners and saying mm. like, Hey, how what's going help? on? How can That's we help? That's so cool. Well, we jumped right into the conversation about how you're running your company. Sure. Why don't, let's get a little more specific with the, with what your software actually provides a few examples that uh-huh. can help really zero in on that. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, this is an infrastructure software, so this is, you know, very much a backbone. So you've got how you get in your doors 24 hours a day. So you've got that access control, you know, you pull out your phone and you, if you're allowed to come in at two o'clock in the morning, you can, uh, how you unlock your doors, how you take payments for memberships, how you get people online securely, how they book conference rooms, how they uh, let somebody know they're here for a tour. Um, it's really kind of neat because our, our software package and, and what we offer was designed by not only a co-working space brand, mm-hmm. us, but it was also do- designed in conjunction with all of our customers. Every new feature that rolls out, everything that we do mm-hmm. is all based on a very robust feedback loop that we have with our customers. It's, we literally just say, what's next? What do they need? What do they need? Yeah. Yep. So I want that's a good way to segue to the, the whole idea of how you – built this business. I'll remind listeners that this is Proco 360's Pro Business Colorado. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs and business leaders who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Josh Freed of Montrose, Colorado-based proximity. So when you built this, and you're really clear on your website that you built this for yourselves because you couldn't find something that already worked that way, you built it to solve your own problem, right? Correct. The initial proximity space was open in Montrose, right? Um, it was done through a public-private partnership with the city of Montrose and Proximity hmm. um, to bring a co-working space downtown. Um, we've lived in Montrose. Most of the founders have lived in Montrose a good portion of their life. We love the Western Slope, and we also wanted to prove that others could do, could make this their home. Hmm. Um, that kind of endeavor uh, it really panned out, uh, you know, between. Uh, getting awarded Governor's Award for Best New Addition to Downtown. Mm. Uh, We've got the Forbes Award, the Inc. Award, all those things. It really started to prove that that location in a downtown kind of changed the 
the outlook for downtown. It, it revitalized yeah. that downtown well, area. Why did you have to make a software infrastructure <laughs> product? I mean, what's that all? Why did you yeah. have to do that? Yeah, good question. Uh, it honestly, it was at six months in of running a space. Everybody thinks it's going to be really fun. I like to tell new space owners, it's going to be a lot of fun yeah. to run a co yeah. space. It's super fun to tell somebody you're running a co-working space oh, yeah. until you actually do it. Um, and that's when you realize it's a lot of toilet cleaning and a lot of whose dishes are these. Really? And a lot, oh, uh, I, didn't I mean, think it's, about that. it's running a business. Cause it looks, you know, you walk into one and it just looks like this cool vibe. Oh, Everyone's yeah. kind of doing their thing. They're collaborating yep. They're you know, doing all kinds of startups and, and yeah, I guess but I there's think all about the, the toilet rest. cleaning. Yeah. And it's about six months into our first location, it was five different pieces of software and a hardware. It was the, this digital duct tape in between mm, it. Uh, mm. And it's because we were experiencing what every other coworking space was experiencing with the services that were available at the time. And it got really frustrating um, mm. and it was hard to keep together. And all we really set out to do was fix a problem for ourselves and just start something different. We mm. started to design our own software. We happened to meet some really great people that could help us with that. Uh, it wasn't until about, let's say, 10 months into using our own system that we had other spaces ask us, hmm. hey, what are you using? And would you mind if we tried it? Huh. That's where that's why we got into this in the first and when place. You, when they, okay, so this is always an interesting piece. When somebody says, would you mind if we tried it? The thought goes through your mind, I'm a collaborative guy. I've got a co-working space. Should I let them use it? Or should I charge them for it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, there is always that collaboration side. And there are there are plenty of places within co-working spaces for that to exist. Um, there are also time periods when you need to realize you're sitting on a business yeah, yeah, and that if you really wanted to run this thing out to its full length and provide the service that space is looking for, you're going to have to figure out how to turn that into a model mm -hmm. that actually works. Yeah. So the first time somebody asked you and you said, yes, did you charge them for it? No, not right away. Um, yeah. there's that whole minimum viable product thing. Yeah, that you, yeah exactly. You, you got to get over a hurdle before you can start charging for something. Um, incidentally, the same people that first started asking us if they could try it, mm. they're still customers mm. to date. And hopefully, you are know, they not, still, are they paying you? They're paying us. Oh, that's yes. better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and to date and, you know, knock on wood, um, we still are looking at a zero attrition of customers from our very first wow. beta to today. Our Which customer, is how long? Uh, now we're sitting at about 18 months wow. of customers. Yeah. So for any kind of a software hardware solution to not have customers try you and then decide to go elsewhere, it's a pretty it's a pretty big accomplishment. You've said hardware a couple of times, and I keep thinking software. Hardware I can think of is like door locks. Is there anything else? What well, it's, it's actually within the door. So we have controllers that mm -hmm. were designed and built by proximity. Um, and these controllers can do anything from unlock your doors, manage the schedule, um, dictate if somebody's coming, come or gone from your space. Soon they'll be controlling mm -hmm. lights and thermostats. And it, these, yeah. the hardware side of us is, um, that integration of physical to digital mm -hmm. side. Sure. Sure. Makes me wish I'd had one raising my kids. <laughs> manage the <laughs> sure. house. Uh, and as you know, when you started selling it, People could, I mean, the expectations are different, right? If you let somebody use something, yeah. they just use what you let them have. Once you start charging them, then they start getting demanding for what they want, right? Yes, yes. So how did you, how did you manage that evolution of like, no, this is what we made. And if you want it, you can buy it mm -hmm. or now we're paying for this. So now we want X, Y, Z. You know, I, I think that is a, a kind of a delicate needle to thread, um, but we've done it really well. And it comes down to uh, our customers are also um, personal contacts and friends of ours. Um, so I'm in town today, and I'm out going around just checking on spaces, just saying mm -hmm. hello. 
um, those early users, we had very candid conversations with them. They provided us a tremendous amount of feedback, and they're also provided the next generation of our customers. You know, we may have this robust marketing department now, Mm -hmm. but early on, we didn't spend our first marketing dollars until 14 months in. It was all done from referrals or for people that we reached out to. Wow. Well, that's way, way different. I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to explore a little bit more of the, the attitude, whether you had to change your attitude from, you know, people asking you for something to now trying to sell something. Sure. Yeah. How does that change? Um, well, I don't actually think it's that big of a change. Um, if you're upfront about what it is you're doing and you're upfront about our pricing model, um, it really just comes down to, do you believe that your product is giving a, a larger value than what you're asking for back? And if you do, then it's really not a hard sell. It's more like, we think this might be a good fit for you. We want you to take a look at it. If mm-hmm. it is, let's talk about this. But even today, I mean, we have space conversations on a daily basis, and, and the answer is never um, – Is how do I put this? We don't actually have a sales team. We have a relationship team. The team's entire goal is just to make relationships with spaces, just to get to know everybody. And those that decide to use us, they will ask us for that product. They will ask us to be customers. We don't need to hard sell our, our software. It's you not know, our goal. It sounds like uh, you found one of the holy grails in, uh, in a business, and that's having a product that people want enough that it's not that they hard ask to you explain. For it. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it was a design forum. I'm not trying to market fit something. I'm not trying to have our team design it just specific so somebody might be attracted. We're getting all this feedback from Spaces. Mm -hmm. It's their product. One of the things that I I love about what you're doing at Proximity is that there's a lot of talk in Colorado and other places too where rural communities are being left out of Mm -hmm. innovative sort of uh, atmospheres. Mm -hmm. and. And so Montrose is a small, I don't know what, how many people live in Montrose? Yeah, it's like 30,000 people. Yeah. And so really any place you can, whether it's 10 spots or 50 spots, any community that wants to create this now using your tools can do that. I think it's really cool. Well, I, I mean, take it even a little bit smaller than that. You've got, we've had this partnership with the state of Colorado around co-working, right? And teaching co-working and, and mm. putting a, a co-working space in every community throughout the state. I didn't know you had that project. Yeah, that's, so that's pretty that's, cool. That's, that's a Blueprint 2.0 project and it's a couple years old now. With the idea that co-working is nothing more than an iteration of a library, an iteration of an Elks Club, an iteration mm. of a community garden. These, these are all infrastructure plans. I don't see a lot of guys with fuzzy hats sitting in your co-working. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it could happen. <laughs> it um, could. But, uh, you know, even from a they size standpoint. out of a little car and jump into their <laughs> co-working. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, from a co-working space standpoint, you've got a small town like Ridgeway. So mm-hmm. now you're talking about 900 people. Yeah. And you have a 5,000 square foot co-working space that mm. is bustling there mm. with a town of 800 people. Wow. They, wow. Are, they are very viable products for communities both large and small. It's not just the major yeah. metropolitan. Well, that's what's so cool about it. I think you're sort of – you're creating access to – uh, these technology and co-working hubs um, virtually anywhere because of, are you, are you, is he, it's almost plug and play except for the installation of the hardware. Correct. Um, and between the education, so we have things like our School of Coworking, which runs classes for founders and it runs mm. classes for community managers. We've got partnerships with Lynn University in Florida coming out to teach community management. Mm. You've got um, business modeling. Can You've got space design. business modeling. If somebody had a uh, 2,500 square foot co-working space could they make money at that could they make a living at it absolutely um ah, I, money yeah, and a living are two yeah, different yeah money things. and a living you you asked two different questions yes there. i did um 
you can make money at it. There's mm-hmm. actually some really neat models around, depending on what the person's actual day job is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got your creatives, your graphic designers, your attorneys, your architects, and all those. When when they're consuming some of the resources within uh, the building, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're sharing it. Correct. Their, ah, that makes sense. It's a really They've got cool their model. Office and their, uh, very interesting. So as you as you scaled from you know, solving this problem and turning it into a business, a business business. You know, you said at one point you had to, you had to make that decision to, so what, what went through your mind is like, yeah, you know, let's, let's take this from us to something else. You know, I was, uh, I, I tell the story a lot, but I was, I was pretty hard sell on coworking. Um, it took two years for one of our co-founders, Dennis, to convince me to open a co-working space in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really have to understand the business models, which is why we, we obsess about teaching business modeling for co-working because you do have to get the numbers right. Um, but then moving on to when we started to look at it from a software, uh, it wasn't until I really started to see that there was a business behind co-working. There was the business of co-working. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody attaches to the community side of it, the altruistic, the network building, the infrastructure, I was mm-hmm. attaching to the business of co-working. Mm. Um, so that, that transition to asking for the revenue side of it yeah, yeah. wasn't hard for me to yeah. do once you saw that this is something they need and this is something that's not just a need regionally, yeah. this is a global need. Mm-hmm. Well, that's such an interesting... Now I'm getting really fascinated by your business because... Well, that's good. Now I appreciate teaching, that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the idea that you teach how to start and run a co-working business too. My guess is that doesn't cost a lot of money because when they become owners of a co-working space, they get to license your software and hardware solutions, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a cool thing. It's, I mean, it's this whole give first mentality, right? Right. But you know that if you've got a great product and it's not like people like your product, that once they get involved, they're coming on board. It's the idea that if you, if you deserve the business, you would have won it. Yeah. So for us that if you, if you've earned it, they will come back to you. If you haven't, then you try harder. Uh, for us, it makes for better, happier, healthier customers, yep. which also is very stable for our business model to know that spaces are stable. So we are incentivized to hold that, that whole like aligning goals mm-hmm. is real. We're also incentivized to make sure spaces stay stable. Um, so it sounds like, Josh, you've really positioned proximity to be sort of ground zero or the hub for all of co-working. And well, not all of it, but anybody that wants to start one, explore the notion. So like in, when there are co-working conferences coming up, you're going to be a keynote speaker. You're going to be the guy that everybody comes to. They're going to gravitate towards proximity. You know, I think what you're touching on is that um, what we found early on was that the industry as a whole was set up on pretty shaky ground. Mm. Um, it's set up on modeling that would be kind of most attributed to like a gym. Yeah. Um, and its solutions were set up on very kind of plain, um, solution based software, hardware, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. Uh, and what that left the industry doing is kind of flailing on shaky foundation. Proximity happens to be this type of company and our founders happen to be these type of people that are just audacious enough to say, we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll redo the foundation because it was wrong. It's not what coworking wanted. Coworking wanted to be connected to each other. Coworking wanted to have easy access. It wanted to be an enabler. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you can't do that by siloing spaces alone by themselves. You yeah. have to connect them together. So a great example of that is when you have new community managers coming up, they're connected with existing community mm. managers to learn from. Wow. And that's part of the service you provide. That's part of our system. Wow. That's part of our, part of the system. Uh, it's that's... part of our, it's part of our community. Hmm. This is, so it's, it's taking community all the way to your software provider, all, all the way hmm. to the infrastructure. And that's us. That's we, so cool. That's really cool. And, we, and, and you've got to, so as we talk about that, I mean, it's clear you're an attitude 
um, is resonating here. And so I want to shift gears and talk about that when it comes to running your company and the culture. Um, your website talks a lot about culture. Yeah, we're really into that, aren't we? Yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> it talks about the why of each team member. Yeah. Each team member has a video talking about their why. As an example, too, you talk about changing the rules, um, that true innovation drives us and demands we forge our own path. So Strong words, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's an example of that? Uh, you know, I think some of the best examples, um, you, you call up a customer and you say, hey, we've got, we want you to use this, but I need you to understand that, by the way, your members are not your members. Your members are part of a community. They are not yours. Hmm. Um, that is a very direct statement that we have to make to almost every, almost every community. Um, the typical response is, well, I need to protect my membership, right? Mm-hmm. I need to protect my yeah. – those are my customers. And what we have to go off and we have to have enough um, – I use the word again, enough audacity and also just enough um, intestinal fortitude to say, yeah, but that's wrong. Mm. And I don't care if two co-working spaces are right across the street from each other that are on the exact same network. If that one member walks from your business to the other business, they weren't your member in the first place. Mm. And you need to accept that. You didn't create enough community for them to stay. Or they just needed to find something else right now. And I, on the way over here, I stopped by two of our spaces. They are literally across the street from each other. Wow. And they are both thriving, happy, mm. and get it. Um, so what's, what was different between one and the other that somebody would choose A versus B? Sure. It's actually more – I think personally it has a lot to do with who is inside the space. So right. when you are in a shared space, um, the people that are around you and the people that you interact with matter just as much as the kind of the amenities. Mm-hmm. Um, open spaces, dedicated desks, a little more private, more phone booths. Those things are great. But I, I find that people will have a hard time leaving the community that they made for themselves in there, the people mm-hmm. that they interact with. That's the sticky point of a, of a co-working space. And it, your software helps them do that? Our, our software makes it, – it's an enabler. It just yeah. helps put the foundation down. Mm-hmm. It makes it possible for them to see yeah. each other. And, so what's something – I'm getting off, tri- off script here. Give me an idea. Give the listeners to it. What is something that a great co-working space management team or whatever is doing to create a community that sticks? Uh just so happens that it was today that I got to see this. So I love live. So you have one in town here and I'll just call them out. Uh, there's one that's called Wayfinder. Um, and Wayfinder is dedicated to the outdoor industry. So we've got a, a, a space that's scoped to a specific uh, industry and the people that are within it. Uh, I got to hear stories about them going and skinning up uh, a basin to go ski mm-hmm. during the blood wolf moon that just happened and that they're going on a hut trip together. Mm-hmm. What they've done is they've curated quite um, accidentally in some cases mm. and quite intentionally in others, this group of people that share like-kind um, experiences and adventures. So now they're working together and their their other lives are all sort of intertwined. They've done a phenomenal That's job. That's interesting. And, and we've got to see that space from the day, I was joking with them, from the day they signed their lease on the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I happened to be in town and join them for a couple of beers. And then we went over and like taped out where the walls were going to be and helped wow. with the design. To now where they're full and they continue to look for hmm. more space. Well, that's cool. It's really fun. Well, I want to get back yeah, to go your ahead. business. And uh, I'll remind I'll listeners. I'll talk about others once, yeah, too. That's, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> that's all right. Um, I'll remind listeners, this is ProCo360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and I'm speaking with Josh Freed of Proximity. Go to ProCo360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Please rate ProCo360 in your app. That really helps a ton. So I want to get back to how you're running 
running proximity, Josh, you uh, back to culture too. You even talk about connecting humanity and making <laughs> the world a better place. Oh, you, you and, watched my video. Uh, okay. yeah, and, and here's the thing. <laughs> I have never, I'm going to do this for the first time ever. I've been doing this for a while. I've never used the word highfalutin in an interview before. <laughs> and highfalutin has a lot of meanings, including things like pretentious, uh, flowery, overblown. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about making the world a better place, you know, what are you, what are you thinking? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, one, you touched on the fact that we have a lot of culture being, uh, kind of emulated out of our website. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it was why videos are really important to us. It's something that we actually have every, every employee do when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when I was making that statement in there, um, y- you know, I, I look at my kids and I look at the people that are working around me and I look at people that have already kind of moved on with different careers and I watch the connection, that fades between people. And I watched the kind of fake connection within the digital side. And when I'm talking about connecting humanity and what that will do, what will that change? And why would, why would you try? What I'm talking about is this connection between digital and back to physical. Hmm. The idea that while you might know somebody online, do you know them enough to sit across from them and have a conversation? And did, were there opportunities for that? And what proximity is trying to do, one of the many things that it tries to do is it tries to say, when you come into a new area, when you come into a new community, if you're traveling, if you are just, you know, just moving to an area, what could a network do to help you actually get connected to people, not connected to each other, just online, Mm -hmm. not just saying Mm -hmm. you like something, but could we actually help you meet people? Could we actually help you connect you to a community? And that's how you feel you're making the world a better place. I think we're going to make it the world a better place by enabling um, this, it, and let me back up a little bit. Uh, nowhere on our business cards does it say creating the world's best co-working space software. It's not actually what it says. It says connecting the world's mobile workforce. Um, the higher goal of proximity space is actually connecting those that are capable of traveling, of working where they want to, mm-hmm. of uh, being in the towns they want to. It speaks yeah, wonders yeah. towards Colorado, right? Um, but also uh, worldwide. Um, where I think we're going to make the world a better place is when we enable those people to stay connected to the people that matter to them, to meet new people, and then to actually get their jobs done, get their work done, get the next thing that's coming for them done wherever it is that they happen to be. Yeah, but we already have the internet, Tinder, and Facebook. So, <laughs> so. It's definitely not the Tinder of, uh, of co-working. Yeah, so. um, it, you do, but you don't, you don't have the physical side connection to it. You, you just don't see that, especially within business. Um, I think we tend to forget about that when you're an infrastructure play, all you're doing is setting up the the scenario for somebody to build something on top of that. And co-working spaces as a starting point, which then you also have hotels and you have other things sure. that are coming. Yeah, yeah. As a starting point, all they're there for is to take down the barriers for you to actually build what's next for you. Yeah. So then at proximity – you're so culture, culture driven, right? <laughs> yes. So two cultures. Yeah. Culture, 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 culture. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you communicating what you just said about making the world a better place and so forth? I mean, how, how does that message get delivered and get, uh, I how guess, does it get passed down? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, we've been fortunate with this team that it's actually a pretty common theme within our group is that we actually 
do feel that we're doing something besides just building a software. Uh, we get to see it. We get to hear mm-hmm. it. Uh, we get statements like you saved our co-working space mm-hmm. or you, you made this work for me. Yeah. Um, I think what gets passed down, especially to our customers is just a simple that we care. Cool. Yeah. You're in Montrose, which I think is cool. Almost, almost everybody that's on this show is in the metro area, the Denver metro, uh-huh. Boulder or whatever. Montrose is a great community. What's your take on building a Colorado company in Montrose versus where you've just spent the last couple of days in the Denver area? Uh, you know what? I think it's, you have to be very intentional. You'll know about this and I've, I've heard it talked about, um, within some of your shows too. You have to be intentional to be in Colorado in the first place. Mm-hmm. You got to really want it to be somewhere else. But, uh, when you start aligning your, your, um, your values and what you think you want your lifestyle to be, um, it becomes less about, is it going to be harder? It becomes more about why wouldn't you at least try to do it mm-hmm. where you want to be? Yeah. Um, so it, it really, for us, doing something on the Western slope, not only are you doing it to pour back into this community yeah, that you yeah. live in, but you're also doing it to prove that you don't have to leave. You don't have to. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Basic rules of tech would have said that we should have left to like a, um, uh, you know, going over to Silicon Valley, going over to Austin, coming to Denver yeah, would have said yeah. that you should go there. Those are your tech hubs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many other, please don't think that I didn't call other ones, but, but you don't have to. Yeah. And what's so cool though, is by starting in Montrose, you actually developed, um, you actually had a need to do something, um, that fit your scale there. Mm-hmm. And that's what became the basis of your business. Yes. You know, it's always easy. I was taught pretty early on. I, I was kind of given this little piece of information that, um, it is always easier to scale up than scale down. Conceptually speaking, if we have to go up to a larger scale, yeah. um, that's a very known path to take a very large software, like an enterprise grade software and scale yeah. it down to make it still work yeah, for a smaller yeah, one is yeah. very hard. Yeah. Coming from the bottom up is actually, uh, mm. it's, it's a, a more natural yeah. approach. Well, let's shift gears because we've got a little while left and I wanted to, I, when I was doing some research, I read, uh, on LinkedIn that you were exploring the book called originals and I decided to listen to it. I want to play a clip and then get your take on that. Okay. By my definition, originality involves introducing and advancing an idea that's relatively unusual within a particular domain and that has the potential to improve it. You said nothing really existed. I mean, this idea of being an original, um, and this is from the book originals by Adam Grant. And, um, you know, he talks about really most original ideas come from something else. So did your ideas come from something else? I think proximity's ideas. I, well, first off, I think the overall um, kind of theme of proximity came from a group that had a lot of experiences. Um, it came from anything from a marketing background to hospitality, to wealth management, to community building, to um, tech services. I mean, the reason we've been able to do what we have is because we do everything internally. We, do, we are not the typical software company that sends stuff out, especially offshoring, um, code. Um, mm-hmm. everything is internal. These are all employees and these are all people that are invested in what we're doing. But I think the original statement came from looking at, um, the way the industry was set up in silos, it just, it, it just is, mm-hmm. um, meaning your, your space is your space and you have this. Us taking that original thought of saying, why is it like that? Why yeah. wouldn't you connect it all together? Why wouldn't you be okay with the fact that your customers might actually wander in and out of your doors and yeah. somebody else's? And that is a, that was the foundation that changed. And yeah. that was the one that gave us the head, the kind of the head start on fixing this. It's interesting because you'd think that 
Well, when did you start developing the software itself? You said you've been in business 18 months. Yeah. Well, the, <clears throat> sorry, the original, think this would have been created 10 years ago. Yeah. You think so, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the original proximity is actually about three years old. Mm-hmm. So we've been into first generation about, about 18 months, um, mm-hmm. coming out of beta. But, um, when we started really looking at this, it, it was, especially the connection between spaces, we weren't actually thinking about how large this could be yet. We were still solving one of our own problems. We were looking to connect up with another co-working space uh, that was in our network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's now hmm. factory and Grand Junction is a part of proximity. Um, and it just wasn't feasible. Hmm. So you started it. That's so, cool. Yeah. So, all right. So I did like, enjoy, I did enjoy it. I'm not done yet with the it's book. It's a great originals. book. Yeah. What else are you listening to? You told me you read or listen. Uh, both. Yeah. It, yeah. It depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoy reading, uh, but I also enjoy it from a standpoint that it requires you to be quiet and it requires you to set time aside. Mm-hmm. You can't do it while you're driving. Yeah. As opposed to coming back from Montrose. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, I, on the way over, I was, um, oh, I should have prepared for this one. Uh-uh. Um, I had one. I, you know what? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll pivot the question just a little bit. I'll tell you another influential book to me, cool. um, which is not a business book because you typically have the, you know, good by design, great by joy, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, tipping point, all those ones. Of course, yeah. I read a lot. So those ones are fine. Um, Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, so, I've read that book. Yeah, yeah. That one I've now reread again um, mm. and just w- within the last few weeks. And it really, from a personal standpoint, uh, that one hits me from a, um, like, what are you doing for humanity and mm-hmm. how are you interpreting and how are you receiving humanity? That speaks a lot to us from our culture standpoint. Um, what are you accepting? What are, and what, how intentional are you being with your time? Do you talk about that book at work? Uh, we've talked a lot about really? it. Yeah. We talk, I mean, this group is, is really open. Um, you know, same thing. Employees don't leave. They yeah. don't leave. Prox- and, you yeah. know, of course, when you hear this, please don't leave. Don't <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, we get to have real conversations with mm. our employees, um, because we treat them like friends. Our customers treat them like friends. Wow. And, um, well, it, it, it brings me to a, a post that you had on LinkedIn where you said the world won't mind it. If you pause for a minute, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to enjoy your coffee and a good book. There you go. We all need to recharge from time to time. Don't forget about the energy that comes from the pause. You wrote yeah, that, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Um, I should have had you read it. I, <laughs> yeah, I should have been like a little monologue here. Um, yeah, so that is me, um, one, verbally processing against social media. Sorry about mm. that. But um, I'm – look, we're a tech company, right? So we are, we're lots of things, but foundationally we're a tech company. So we have this demand on growth and hustle and – you know, our, our industries right now are pushing and pushing yeah, faster and faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great. We love to hustle. Um, but what I am finding, and even within our own teams and some of the founders, I get to talk to founders all day long of spaces and other sure. software. What I'm finding is people are forgetting the fact that there is just as much energy coming from being quiet as there is from working harder. And that it's okay to pause for a while. It's okay. And I, I really, I remind myself of that. And I reminded myself of that when you take time off to mm-hmm. actually just like, be okay with yeah. slowing down for a little bit. You said you got kids? We do. I have three kids. And how old are they? Uh, 13, 11, and 5. So do you talk about this with them? Uh, and do well, you live this with them? Or are you just talking good smack on the radio? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots of good questions, especially if they uh, come back to listen yeah. to this. Um, you know, they see their dad work pretty hard. Um, uh, both my wife and I both work very hard. Um, they see us building spaces, you know, we're continuously, uh, expanding our networks as well. 
but what they do see is they see me read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, I'll put this out on the air. Hopefully it doesn't get back to your uh, school. This last Monday, we were all very tired. We just came off of an expansion of a co-working space that has required a lot of time. Uh, and we all looked at each other the night before Sunday night and we we're like, you know what? No, we're not going to do it. And I called everybody in sick to work, everybody in sick to, to school. And we played hooky as an entire family for the day wow. How just cool to take a pause. Yeah. And what kind of feedback did you get? Oh, they want to do it again. <laughs> they want to know how many times dad will call them. And oh. you know, what's interesting is my wife makes me call them in because the school won't ask me what's wrong. If you know, uh, they just assume I don't know. And I'm just calling in cause my wife told me to, oh, which is correct. Funny. Yeah. So. Well, except in this case, <laughs> yeah, it was my, well, idea. that's so cool. Hey, I'm going to wrap up. Um, Josh, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. It's, it's been a, a great conversation. Yeah. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today I'm Proco 360. You've been listening to my conversation with Josh Freed of proximity. It's been fantastic to speak with a great leader who's doing amazing work from Colorado's Western Slope. Yes. So um, I, you'll have to introduce me to some of your friends out there, and we'll see what Come we can do. Come on over. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so, listeners, thank you, too, for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make this show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast, and really, please submit a review. That helps a ton. Thanks again to show sponsors, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. Thanks, too, to show engineer Mike here at 3rd and James Studios. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Cool. So, uh, anyway, that was fun. Yeah. I know. It's a great setting, too. I think that's You like the setting? Yeah, I do. And I like the fact that I'm pointing this way, so I'm not paying attention. Yeah. It's over here. That's really neat. Well, the only thing I, I look over there for is to see the timer and just sure. see how we're doing. Yeah. And uh, so. But no, but it's, it's great. Fun. I mean, even the audio is great. It just is very conducive to talking. It's, good. It's good. Well, you didn't have any trouble talking. So, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> all right. Well, thank okay. you. I think we're all set. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was so, a lot of fun. It, I, you have an amazing business. It's, um, it's going to get even better.